Dee Dee Moonflyer here. Welcome to the Twilight Tonic Podcast. As always, I have a freshly brewed batch of the strange and unusual to share with you. So grab your favorite tonic, step inside the broom closet, and let's get started. Not on Twilight Tonic, as always, I have the most amazing guests, and this guy is awesome. He was on the show that I do for Todd Bates called Twilight Tonight. It is Wes J. Roberts. He's a college professor and a co-host with Leslie Mitchell-Clark's blog talk radio, and he has his own podcast out called the WJR, Alien Abductees, and more. And he is a book author, and we're going to be talking about two of his books tonight and all his experiences. Wes, how are you? I'm very well, Dee Dee. Thank you so much for having me back, albeit in a different way. Happy to be here. Thank you so much for coming. And due to my great efforts of miswriting you down, (laughs) (laughs) I am so sorry about that. No, we're here. The night is yours. Ah, well, you have some wonderful books out, and I really enjoyed um, an experiences gardener garden, which mm-hmm. is the book I bought, which I love. And I, your other book is a true story of extraterrestrial contact in inter- intersection. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Intersections. Yeah. And that's you and Leslie wrote that one. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. She comments on stuff I'm writing about from her perspective. So it's an interesting take on all this. Wow. Wes, tell us about listeners that didn't get a chance to see your interviews with other wonderful podcasters or in Twilight Tonight. How did you just realize Did you just wake up one day and go, I think I've been abducted? Uh, That's such a great question. Like when I was able to, I'm not going to say retrofit this, but fit pieces of the puzzle together. I realized I had visitations in my teens, at least that I remembered. I didn't remember anything other than that. I didn't know what the heck they were actually until only the past 10 years ago when I said, oh, because I've spoken to other abductees and experiencers, and they had a similar 
a similar thing happened to them. I thought it was just me. Mm-hmm. So that that was when I was around 16 or something. I was awake. I was sitting up in bed. I wasn't stoned or drunk or anything. I was quite, you know, quite normal, quite sane. And uh, uh, three black hooded figures stepped into uh, my room, my bedroom. Wow. Um, sort of hands in robes, hands extended. Um, and I was sitting up looking at them like, okay, I don't know what this is, but they scared the crap out of me. <laughs> yes. You know, so, yeah, so it's like, there they are, hands extended. I couldn't see their faces. They never talked. They were different sized uh, beings. And the distinct impression I got was, come with us. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no. that's my same reaction i would have no (laughs) no i don't think so um you know let me grow up a bit and i'll be the stronger and wiser but uh, then no no way so fast forward to uh to an experience i had in the late uh 80s that i really didn't understand um and it's in both books it's a it's about an airport experience airplane experience odd room experience it's got like five phases to it so mm-hmm. that dogged me uh, for almost 20 years until i thought okay i've eliminated everything else i must be one of those people you know i tended to look e- years before that disparagingly mm-hmm. at people like me uh so and and i thought that this this can't be me it, but it had so many qualities of not being dreamlike, right. you know, um, and not being how, how dreams change fluidly in front of your eyes. It had so many qualities that finally, like Sherlock Holmes, I thought this has got to mm-hmm. be what, what it might be. So then I went to hypnosis, but that was 20 years after the experience. Right. It, this is an odd question, but with those experiences, did you feel almost like you had to go to bed? I, uh, oh, that's an interesting question. My goodness, I don't think anybody has asked that. Um, yes, I felt like I had to, and no, I didn't want to close my eyes. Mm, I always find that really interesting. You had to go to bed stuff. It happens to me more these days, actually. Does it? Like in a, not like a tired way. It's kind of almost like someone's telling you to go to bed and you just feel really heavy and different. Interesting. I I don't believe I've talked to anyone else who said that. Um, Yeah, it's more of a recent thing with me. Mm -hmm. Um, Back before I went under hypnosis for the first time and then subsequently over 30 times. But before that, um, I... I was afraid to go to sleep, so I'd often go to to bed before my ex, and you know she come in an hour or two later, mm-hmm. and you know every time I closed my eyes, I thought they're coming to get me, and then I thought I'm paranoid, you know, <laughs> uh, but it, I just felt like I I'm a vulnerable person, I'm okay with that, but that kind of vulnerability, I felt that all the time, fearful to go to sleep. Interesting. Now, did you have what other people describe the paralyzed feeling? Because I know some people, depending on what they're being abducted by, their experiences are different. Uh, I experienced that for the first time, this catatonic kind of state when I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought later, I didn't think then, but I thought later, oh, classic OBE, classic out-of-the-body experience. 
Uh-huh. Um, and then periodically, since I've been a teenager, periodically that happens. And uh, I, I must have such an innate, I don't know what it is, reluctance for that, that I usually fight it off. Wow. You know, when when you're able to fight it off, do they appear or there's no experience on that time? Not at that time. Many of my experiences take place in the sleep state because um, what, what you probably know well, we're very accessible Yes. in that state. Yes, absolutely. So when you were taken, you say in your books, you you had some really crazy experiences with these guys. Oh, gosh, when I was able, when I wrote my second book, I thought, well, I'm going to try and catalog all this stuff. Anyway, um, yeah, I was able to identify easily 50 or 60 discrete experiences easily uh, over many, many years. And they don't stop. And I think most abductees would say that to you. Um, That doesn't mean I live in terror anymore. It just means that like clockwork, you know, once a month or once every couple of months, something happens that's not a dream. but yeah, it's been an amazing trip. Everything from boring uh, to ridiculous, uh, you know, to frightening, um, to apparent medical procedures, not the usual kind um, uh, that I know of, uh, to extraction of biological material, to use a phrase. Wow. I, you know, I think that's what spooks me the most about some of the abductees, what what I've talked to them is surgeries, um, stuff taken from them, children. Yeah, so I've been shown on a number of occasions, apparently my my hybrid children. Um, I haven't had anything medically removed. Mm-hmm. I've had it removed under, I don't know how to put this because I've never really talked about this on air. Let's say under deception. Ooh. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, when you come to or you come back to your everyday state, what kind mm-hmm. of effect does it have on your psyche? Oh, I'm creeped out. Um, this has happened maybe four or five times uh, over the years. Mm-hmm. And and I'm uh, totally creeped out. You know, it starts out as apparently a normal, uh, intimate uh exchange and then turns into something really weird. Uh, so yeah, I wake up thinking that's probably the worst of my experiences are those ones, worse than any other process I've had done with me. Wow. It's almost like they can read your mind and find how to get you in that state so you comply. And then when you realize oh, yeah. what's easy, going easy on, enough. oh my gosh. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, I'm easy running. enough if, if they're reading my mind, um, which of course they are. Uh, yeah. They're just going to pick somebody out of it. Wow. That would totally, I think I'd be very freaked out by that. Yeah. Yeah. I have been a tad. Uh, fortunately, I'm a busy, I guess, a, a busy guy, lots of distractions. Good thing I'm still working. That's all I can say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you ever feel anything for these children, do you feel a parent like bond to these children or is it completely different than that? It's complete curiosity. Um, my current partner and I don't have kids and won't, um, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's complete 
curiosity. You know, I've been put in some situations that are like, my gosh, leave it to Beaver family stuff. Right. Fake. You know, totally fake. And uh, I, I look on it with curiosity. And once there was even a uh, a woman put into the scene, uh, not a real one, as far as I can tell, because she appeared to be frozen. Um, but but she was apparently the mother, quote unquote. And uh, I was put there to observe her and observe. Uh, I think that one was two little blonde kids running around. Wow. And then I scampered out. She didn't do anything. And I was just looking on with <laughs> some curiosity and like, what the heck is this? <laughs> like, what are those? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tittle blonde creatures. Now, do they have different eyes, of course, I would assume? A little bit. Um, they were the closest to normal I'd seen. Uh, sorry, I'll rephrase that. Closest to what we know as humans I have seen what's normal. So that's probably a wrong thing to say, but um, they were as close as, as two little girls to normal as I could think in, in the way we see that. Right. Uh, others have been, uh, you know, distorted, misshapen, things like this. Wow. That would be so bizarre to see that. I just don't know how I'd handle that. Although, uh, I, yeah, I don't think I handle it too too well. It's like, you know, hey, Dad. And it's like, wow, what is this thing communicating <laughs> with me? I don't know if I should hug you or run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Now, you talk about one of them that it was with you for years. And was it the, the twin? Yeah, yeah. Boy, you remembered. My gosh. Yeah. I really enjoyed the book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, she's still with me. Um, she's always been with me. Uh, so I've come to understand. So she visits you still to this day on and off? Yeah, but never in a routine way. I just mm -hmm. want her to take a seat on the couch one night. And oh. it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I want you to sit and tell me everything, please, and be plain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In your, in your uh, original form or format, um, because she under she, she does all these uh, kinds of switcho changeos, at least uh, through my dream experiences with her. So one time she's, you know, a seven to eight foot tall blonde woman, and the next time she's in her natural form, and the next time she's something else. But normally she's mm -hmm. always seven to eight feet tall, whatever form she takes. Oh my goodness, really? Now, do you feel a kinship to her, or was this kinship approached by her oh gosh i wish i could tell you for sure what her relationship is with me or her species relationship is with me um i've i've tried to address her in 27 different ways uh mm -hmm. you know as as a sister uh as a family as some kind of a spouse as some kind of a partner uh, but because she's not forthcoming, like having a conversation with me forthcoming, mm -hmm. I don't know what she is to me. Yeah, I really don't. Wow, that would be so confusing. It's annoying. Because <laughs> <laughs> obviously you have a connection. I do. Rather, you know, does she ever warn you or is it, it's not like that? She just appears... She just she just appears. I think I'm communicating with her, but I I don't know how far to push that envelope. Like um, mm -hmm. I know when I'm communicating with my guides, 
Right. There's telltale signs that make it perfectly obvious um, that I'm in live, real-time communication with them. With her, I just do not know. Okay. That would make sense. I wonder, now, does she speak a different language, you think, and that's... So uh, my twin has been with me uh, my whole life. I discovered her, or it was mutual discovery in my first or second hypnosis session. Mm-hmm. And since then, I've had all sorts of encounters with her. But over the course of five years of hypnosis with uh, Leslie, um, we decided after a time to try and have uh, real-time communication with her, uh-huh. similar to channeling. But I wasn't unconscious, so I was quite awake. And we had questions and stuff for her. We had interesting conversations. She never spoke with her mouth, always telepathy. Wow. You know, and I have heard that other people that have had contact say they do not move their mouths. I'm sure I've seen it, and I've seen it in dreams, and I've seen it in her natural form. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's just straight up and down. Yeah. I mean, as you know, we we tend to value in in men and women figures, but she doesn't have one. It's just straight up and down. Interesting. So she's uh, very anyway, tall we, and thin, yeah. huh? <laughs> Yep. I'm <laughs> very tall and thin, something like me, but she's got a foot or two on me. <laughs> That's right. You are tall and thin, aren't you? Oh, somewhat. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know if six foot's tall anymore, but. Wow. So she visits you and she continues to visit you, but you also had some odd experiences in a condo. Oh, yeah. That was the. Uh, the 80s, the hallmark experience, I guess you would call it penultimate, maybe, because they're not done yet. But um, that was this fully orchestrated thing uh, that I woke up from at around 6 a.m. I was with a former partner. And of course, she was kept asleep or kept inactive, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like switched off. And, uh, you know, when I woke up in the morning and I'm looking at the digital clock, and it's it went through five minutes and about five seconds. And I'm real curious at that point, like I am still in a distorted space time thing. So <laughs> I uh, once I got up, I went to the other room and wrote all this down on a piece of paper. And then, you know, periodically every year for like 20 years, um, uh, tried to recount more details of it and and tried to expand on it mm-hmm. and tried to think, uh, well, I want to go back. You know, I know how strange that my son, I want to go back. I want to, I just want to spend some time in this place, whether it's with them, quote unquote, or on my own. I just want to go back. Well, this has happened to you your whole life. So I would also have that very, very curious mind to try to understand it, to try to see what they want. You know, at the point, basically, and and I don't know if you spoke to others like me, or perhaps you've gone through this, I have become aware in many of my experiences, aware meaning I know something's up. I know this Uh is not straightforward. I know I'm being observed, whatever you want to say. So I've become aware a number of times. And they, they shut down the experience at around that point. They do not want me to be that way. See, that's really, really interesting. Like they, yeah, it's like, you know, they just don't want you to know. And that would drive me crazy. 
No, and I don't. I don't think they mind uh, uh, blocking off those memories, and I don't think they mind my thinking it was a hallucination or a dream. Uh-huh. Uh, but the one thing they don't like, I have found, is if I or others become awareness. Like I'm not falling asleep like you guys. You know, I remember right. one of the situations. People on the couch. I'm not falling asleep. Stay awake. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what they want you to do. <laughs> yeah. And then they pull me out. <laughs> they were like, we gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lots of gotcha moments. You know, this is going to sound like a really dumb question. And I always wondered this. Do you think they have a sense of humor? Wow. Um, I do think they do. I once accused my twin of not having emotions. That was a stupid idea. Um, <laughs> All right. What'd she show you? I've got to hear this. It sounds great. So I thought, you know, you know, we, uh, we humans are such fragile things, you know, right. uh, I'll just speak about myself, such a fragile, complex, emotional child. Um, and I thought, you don't know what I'm going through. And so uh, once under hypnosis, this is when we were sort of doing the channeling thing. I said, why don't you show any emotion? You know, have you no idea what's going on with me? And she really, she really kicked my butt emotionally. She really kicked my butt for a few minutes. I thought I was going to fall unconscious. It was so significant. Wow. She just washed over me or through me with emotions. And it's like, oh, you want to see what emotion is here? Try this. Uh, so, you know, I felt almost uh, nauseated. It was so strong. I felt like I was moving. And you don't really move around in a chair, hypnosis chair very much, but I right. felt like I was moving. So did you feel, was she very loving? Was she hurt? Um, yeah, it might be hurt. Um, she just <clears throat> washed over me with such a powerful wave of emotions that it can't, I don't want to sound like uh, so many science fiction movies. It was so awesome that I can't explain it. You know, or H.P. Lovecraft, that's his thing, right? Right. The yeah. unnameable things. Um, but it was a lot like that. It was just powerful, raw emotions directly to my emotional center. You know, don't stop it. Go. Don't pay $200 directly right. from her. And, and it was intensely wonderful, excruciating, all those things. Wow. That's, that would be very, very, that would be such an amazing, wonderful experience. And at the same time, a very fearful experience. I, uh, I guess in retrospect, I think of uh, myself as being uh, fortunate and also uh, being presumptuous. Like it's easy for them, or at least for her to get to me or to alter my immediate environment or to alter my physiology to communicate with me. It's very hard for Mm -hmm. me to, to go the other way. Right. Exactly. Now, Wes, you also mentioned in the book, this really fascinated me. It also made me giggle a little bit for some reason, the 1950s (laughs) house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why that always sticks in my mind when when I hear somebody say, you know, Wes, I was like, I read his book. It's really good. But the 1950s thing cracked me up. <laughs> and I have no idea why. <laughs> Every time I read that part of the book, I'm like, 
you know, that's, that's different. <laughs> that's different. <laughs> yeah, 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 it was, <laughs> it was pre pretty freaky. It was, you know, almost like, why are you putting me in this situation? Mm -hmm. um, is this something you picked up from a TV show? That's what I was just going to ask you. If they yeah. watch our oh, TVs or video games, that's even on video games, you know, when they do the retro stuff. It, it, it's got to be from some of our tech or from some of our history. Plus, they pull things out and put them in one situation where, where all those things don't belong to one another. You know, one of these mm -hmm. things doesn't belong here sort of situation. Like the black rotary phone that's appeared <laughs> in maybe two or three of my experiences. Yeah. It's like they pull that out. And they put it into an 80s experience. Whatever. Well, you're, you know, that you think about it, that was always in TV, old TV shows was the black phone. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So um, however they got that, they must have thought, well, here's uh, for the time, uh, late 80s, uh, condo, apartment, whatever it was. Um, and all of it was consistent except for the phone. Right. That's funny. And, yeah. And there was even a little black book beside the phone for crying out loud. It was just <laughs> hilarious. It was textbook. <laughs> wow. They they could probably watch your old TV shows and they're probably like, this is how they live. <laughs> yes, this is how we get along. <laughs> Hopefully today they're going to have smartphones, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> if I see a strange cell phone someplace, I'm calling you right away. <laughs> like, there was this Apple phone, and then the Apple phone had. <laughs> I know, I know. I remember the evolution of these things. Now they're back to flip phones, right? Oh, I man. saw some the other day, last week. That's hilarious. I used to have one. Uh, the funny thing is, I remember in the 90s when everybody started getting them slowly. And I had a small business, and my husband bought me one. And it was a flip phone. And I, I can't imagine having another flip phone because, you know, I just... You're cutting oh. out or I'm... Oh, can you hear me now? Hello? Wes? Hello? Yeah, yeah. You cut out for a bit, but I heard you going on about a flip phone. Yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> My poor husband, he's going to love us. <laughs> <laughs> I remember like having the flip phone, but now it's so easy just to scroll. It's almost like we have science fiction phones now. We have Star Trek phones. Oh, you know, people will swear that that came from a communicator, right? Yeah. iPads, I would be surprised. Yeah, iPads were on the next generation. Yeah, yeah, all this stuff. And it's like, okay, amazing. How did we leap uh, in our tech from something rudimentary to something quite sophisticated? Surprise, right? I, I know. You know, the odd thing is, if I think about it, if they are watching our TV shows and putting in 1950s type house, I wonder if they ever watch Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if Leslie's mentioned it, but she believes there's a galactic federation. I have heard that. Um, yeah, I can't, you know, I, I'm not sure I, I've got all the info or feeling she does, but it would not surprise me. 
Me neither. And I wish we could be part of it. And I wonder why they're not letting us part of it if it exists. Um, Yeah, they always leave that to government types and black ops and the military. And it's like, but I'm genuinely interested. I'm not trying to make a penny from it. Yeah, I would be genuinely interested in that, too. I'd find that extremely fascinating. And, you know, I don't know about you, but when people tell me that they don't believe in aliens or interdimensional beings, I'm like, we can't hmm. be that arrogant to think we're the only ones in the universe or only ones in this dimension. We we just can't be. Well, God, I hope we're approximately how many years would it be? 70 to 80 years past that, you know, since the Roswell era. Right. I hope we're way past that. I don't care about getting a hunk of a craft. This does not interest me. They interest me. Exactly. I would like to know them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Me too. But what's really cool, though, you have had so much contact with them or... I don't know. Do they, did, have they ever given you a name of their race? Not, no, no. That, I've been left up in the air. I'm going to say what I always say, and I think it's true, either Pleiadian or tall whites. Ah, okay. That would make sense. And you also talk about an underground city, Wes. Oh, yeah. That a bunch you experienced. Of them. Were those the ones that made you? besides the warehouses that they always took you through, was the underground city one of the most uncomfortable things you experienced with them? Oh, the first one. Yeah, I've been maybe to three, I don't know, four. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, the first one, um, because they were experimenting on us, me and my ex. Um, She'll deny that to this day, even though I said, hey, you know, you've been in like eight of my experiences and she'll be there. Oh, Uh, she's not Mm -hmm. a disbeliever, but she just doesn't have she doesn't have any uh, uh, validation of any of that. But yeah, that was she was in one of the first key ones in which they were in underground facility. And then it turned out to be pretty vast. And they did some experiments with us and put our faces into a thing and took us to a recovery room. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's one of my more, more one of the more scary um, emotional ones. Yeah, I that whole experiment surgery stuff, that probably scares me more than anything about anyone's experiences. And it seems like almost everyone I've ever talked to have had an experience, they've had similar experiences, whether it's a surgery or experimentation on their bodies. That disturbs me a little bit. I I think it should disturb us. I I would like to, you know, and I'm reflecting Leslie and a few other people when I say this, that do they really need any more DNA? No. Why? Are they stupid? (laughs) No, they're not stupid. No, I mean, uh, you know, is the the stuff they might have been grabbing from us for hundreds or tens of thousands of years, has it changed that radically? You know, that they really need, oh, we need a new sperm sample. Like, what? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Why do you think they keep doing that? I mean, that's so curious. I, you know, I... I'm, I'm not an alarmist like some folks are, like hybrids will take over the world. 
person. I'm not that person, but I think that the hybridization is a work in progress mm-hmm. and that um, they keep trying to, to consistently get um, um, creatures that are uh, more human-like than ever. I think it's a work in progress. I, I'm not sure that will stop. And do you, I think my question is, in your opinion, do you think once they have enough, are they just going to enter, inter, I guess, throw them into our society and have them? I, I do think so. Yeah. If they're not already here. And I often wondered about that if some aren't already here and how would that benefit them? Um, They like this place Uh, uh, is one of my understandings. Yeah. They like the earth. Um, I think it's one of my understandings. And they they also, I believe are vitally interested in us not screwing this up to the extent that we totally wreck this planet. Um, It is pretty. Yeah. Yeah. I think hmm? our planet is quite beautiful, isn't it? (laughs) It's it's extraordinary. The simplest things, even a bug. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take time to appreciate a bug for crying out loud. So um yeah, I don't I think their their program, I, I honestly, honestly don't feel to take over the world, take over the earth. I right. don't see that at all. Uh but an integration and interspecies relationships, which is how this might have all started anyway. Mm-hmm. That's what I've always wondered, because you're right. Why would they keep doing this over and over again? And it's really interesting because with most, if not all, abductees, you hear the same thing over and over again. Very similar mm-hmm. stories. Um, except your memories are extraordinary, especially with the underground. Isn't, isn't there a section in your book where you talk about the child that you see with the very dark eyes underneath the ground? And they looked. I did talk about such a thing. Um, yeah, freaked me out, um, and I, I was magnetized. You know, it sounds like, like almost like Dracula, right? It's like right. <laughs> I cannot, I cannot look away. I am not allowed to look away, and and that was one of the few times I ever felt terror. Like I'm not living in fear mm-hmm. today. I'm really pretty. I've got my act together, but that was one of the few times. It's like wow, mortal terror. Do you think it was what it was saying to you telepathically that made you feel fear? Or was it just the overall essence of that particular being? I, um, you know, I've had one of our similar experiences over the past few years. I wish I could put my finger on it right now for you. But I guess I felt like I was, I had no more conscious volition or I would not. I would lose yeah. conscious volition. Interesting. <laughs> you know, when you describe that particular being, it almost sounds like some of the stories you hear of the black-eyed children. Or people have yeah. that same dread, that same overall horrifying feeling. Yeah, it's it's like, you know, I'm trying to think of some of the movies that really flip me out. And, you know, uh, things like The Exorcist and a few others is like uh, in in awe of something totally uh, unnatural and powerful. 
And yeah. I, I'm not afraid of the devil or anything like that. But um, but in a couple of cases, I felt like absolutely this thing could do what it wanted with me. Oh, see, now I wouldn't like that. I'd be <laughs> I'd be finding ways to be out of that underground city. <laughs> I'd be like, OK, <laughs> I've had enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just got to wake up. You know, it's it's it sounds funny, but you you've got to grab your awareness back because they have it. How did you do that, Wes? I I you know, I'm trying to remember if I, if it was just like I have got to escape this, like mm -hmm. it was nightmarish. So, I think it was the same way I periodically get myself out of a nightmare, which I don't know if others have talked to me. About this stuff, but I do not stop having nightmares. This is just a feature of my life, and I don't right. know if it's connected with this or not. Yeah, <laughs> I've had <laughs> several people nightmares. Yeah, you um, know, I I uh, I live with a person that that has very few of them, and I'm like uh, I probably have a few a month, and mm -hmm. uh, they're not. Not necessarily about aliens or alien abduction, but it's like, wow, I'll wake up, you know, heart racing. Of course, my partner's not waking up. It's like, great, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for helping out. It's like, hey, hello. <laughs> yeah, hello, I'm suffering. It's like, but I don't want to disturb your sleep. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, sometimes I wonder um, when you realize that you had contact with them, did you find like your other abilities started getting stronger? Um, empathic abilities, um, out of body experiences without seeing them. Did you find any of this stuff growing stronger, Wes? Oh, many of them. Um, uh, one of one of the early things I did, especially after beginning hypnosis, was thought, I you know I have a feeling I can help people. Like I'm not a healer. I would qualify it not a healer. Saying that again, <laughs> I, I'm not trained, not a healer, um, but I've been able to do uh, some of that over the years. And I don't know what caused me to begin experimenting with it. Uh, also, my side factor ramped up pretty good. Uh, it's always been there um, since my teens, but it, but it's ramped up. Uh, so it's pretty good stuff <laughs> these days. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, it occurs mainly in um, you know, things will play out in my mind. I'll feel them emotionally before they come to be. And also it's uh, way empathic, way empathic, significant. Wow. You know, and you're, you're not the only person that has said that. A lot of people say when they've had experiences, they have more paranormal experiences for some. Some people, their abilities grow stronger. Like you said, um, how about your physical being? Have they helped you physically at all? If you've had any problems, have they tried to fix you? So I believe that is so. Um, you know, I had an incident with pneumonia, which I used to get frequently enough. And I'm pretty sure they did that. They, they uh, pulled me out of that. Could have been a case, you know, when I, uh, when I had double pneumonia. Um, so I used to be prone to this stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then I had an incident with uh, somebody that was claiming to be a doctor. Um, though it, its clothes didn't fit very well. You know, legs were really long. Pants weren't so long. Um, oh, my God. You know, 
Yeah, yeah. Did you wear like bad disguise? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crappy disguise. At least don't, you know, at least have your pants fit. But so uh, this creature was passing, uh, not just his hands over my chest, but some kind of machinery. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I remember uh, it wasn't long after. It's like, oh, I'm better now. Um, but I I try and think, you know, what is it, if anything, that keeps me with with a young mind and, and allows me uh, to continue to do hard physical exercise when I want? And I'm wondering if that has anything to do with it. I don't know, but it's a question in my mind. Yeah, that's really amazing. Now, did this, like, when he was doing this, does this take place in your sleep, or did you actually go to a doctor's office and it showed up? Sometimes I actually do not know uh, if it's physical abduction. They they are few and far between now, and, and there yeah. are theories about why that is. Uh, I think maybe other people have spoken to them too, but um, this could have been a real visit. I felt like I was ushered into an office. Mm-hmm. Um, a little room, and there was a nurse type thing, and this do- tall doctor type thing, and they they did their little process with me as if to reassure me that this was all normal, uh-huh. and uh, I, I didn't have an opportunity to oppose it or accept it or anything, uh, just to go through it. So I I don't know if that one was physical. You know, a lot of us have um, uh, spirit abductions or. Uh, uh-huh. etheric abductions and most of mine are that way now but periodically it'll be a physical one and be like oh okay so that's why i feel so beat up today or whatever right now wes with all of this stuff have you ever seen a ufo in wake, um twice in time yeah twice maybe in my life uh interesting though i think we're starting to talk chat about this a little earlier so the only time I could remember until a few months ago, um, last fall, the only time I can remember was um, when I was a teenager and it was far, far, far away. And it was some erratically flying thing, not a satellite, not a plane, not mm-hmm. a shooting star. You know, it was erratic in its movement. And then the only other time that happened to me was uh, literally about six months ago. Um, uh, when my partner and I were in the far north or medium north up here, uh-huh. um, and, uh, you know, in a cottage by a lake, there's nobody, nothing there. Uh-huh. And we saw something moving erratically very, very far away. And I'm jumping up and down, right? Like, right. oh my God, I don't get to see these things. But I, you know, I want a mothership to be a few feet away. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is what I want. That was awesome. I want one directly in front of me. Yeah, no, I really do. It's like waving my hands, like, you know, standing on my head in excitement. You know, the stuff that came from the B series. Remember that? Uh, Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that kind of shit. Um, So so this thing we saw six months ago is probably a gazillion miles away. Uh, But anyways, moving pretty erratically. So I was pretty convinced that's the second time in my life. Right. And I want, well, sometimes too, they come in waves. You hear of uh, so many sightings on certain times in certain different areas at one time, which I always find do, really yeah, fascinating. They used to call them flaps, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I remember there was tons in Michigan one time, there was tons in Ohio, um, California, 
New York State. And I'm sure it's all through Canada, all those woods through there. I'm sure there's hundreds and hundreds of sightings a year. Oh, yeah. Uh, Mifon Canada is um, uh, pretty busy. You know, Leslie and I are both in it. Not that we do anything with them or for them anymore. Um, we're kind of distant at this moment from them. But um, they, you know, periodically will come up with footage and stuff. And it's what would flip you out. The last footage I saw was maybe a couple of years ago. And it was of a craft moving across the screen. And it had to be slowed down, you know, to a hundredth of its speed. Anyway, uh-huh. they they figure it was going, you know, Mac 12, Mac 13 or 14, like something unbelievable. Oh, wow. That's crazy. It's just a dot really moving it. Oh, my gosh. That would. That's crazy. That was it was very exciting. It's like, who took this film? I want to be that guy. I know. <laughs> I want to <laughs> see it. I want to see it. I want to see it come by, you know, Stephen Greer stuff, right? <laughs> yes. Now, in your books, I haven't seen where a lot of people see before they have experiences or certain animals. Have you ever had that experience where you'll see a certain animal and you know something's going to happen or you get a feeling something's going to happen? Um, for some abductees, it's owls, it's dogs, sometimes cats. Have you ever had anything of that sort happen to you? So the owl uh, thing, uh, a member of the family has seen that, and I don't know that they uh, think anything about it. I did when they mentioned it Mm -hmm. to me. Uh, It's classic. But um, a wolf a couple of times. A white wolf. That's interesting. I've, I've heard that also before. Do you know why? They use owls more than any other animal. Have they ever mentioned it to you? Um, they have not. I, I would be best at speculating, which I, I hope to hear what you think. I think it's because they're wise old owls. <laughs> and, True. and we pay attention to these things. Um, but what's your theory? I'd love to hear that. You know, um, I, I'm fascinated by owls and I've had a connection with them since childhood. I love them. Mm. But owls have those eyes. And I often wonder because their eyes are so different. And I'm mm. wondering mm-hmm. if that would just be an easier disguise for them, something that has stunning eyes or something more familiar with in that way. Uh, yeah, that would make that would make some sense as if they set themselves inside there. And owls are such a commonality in terms of what people see. And, you know, I don't want to freak you out or anything, but maybe you're not just seeing owls. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I often wondered that myself. Uh Um, uh And also owls are night creatures and people tend to when they're abducted, that tends to happen more in the night because like any other experiences, we're more vulnerable at night. We totally are, just like the dream state, you know. I mean, just physicality, you can't see as well. Yeah, exactly. And that would be the easiest time to abduct someone or to communicate with them would be at that time in the middle of the night where nothing can be done because we are in that state. We can't see them mm-hmm. coming. We don't feel mm-hmm. them coming if we're in REM sleep, obviously. 
No, no, we don't. I mean, uh, my partner has a theory about this primal fear mm-hmm. of ours. It's uh, all about the cave. Yeah, that would make sense. Absolutely. And uh, it's genetic. It's, it's uh, you know, at least some of our programming still holds that. Yeah, it does. Now, Wes, you've also been abducted and had experiences during the daytime too, though, haven't you? Yeah, I don't think, um, yeah, morning, afternoon. Um, I, I'm i glad in a way, uh, in, in a macro way, um, because that dispels um, uh, some of the myth that it only takes place in the dark. You only have grainy film. Uh, it's only at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, daytime is, is not uncommon at all. Um, it's the same thing I was saying earlier about falling asleep. If, if I feel like compelled <laughs> to go to mm. bed in the middle of the day, it's like, oh, geez, man, I know what this is about. <laughs> I'm not doing it. <laughs> you know, I'm not I don't doing want it. To go. <laughs> yeah, so if there's not enough caffeine in the world to avoid that. What What do you think would happen if you didn't go to sleep? If I did not give in, uh-huh. uh, significant weariness. Do you think they'd catch up with you or do you think it'd be like them missing an appointment? That sounded really weird, oh. didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Are they no, on a timeline too? I'm not ready right now. <laughs> and how about five? Does five work for you? <laughs> five work for you. Actually, I don't want to see you at all this week. <laughs> Yeah, so I think I think they just it, it's a temporary postponement. If if I ever correlated stuff, if I diarized it to that to that level, I'd probably see that that night they're going to come by anyway. Okay, they probably don't see the time. They probably don't see time the same way that we do. I would assume. I I can't imagine, uh, DD, and, and you know, for a long time we have to communicate with them while I was under hypnosis saying, humans need to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) I'm already an insomniac, so this just complicated my life. Yeah, we do need to sleep. Our bodies are different, I would assume, Mm -hmm. than theirs. I don't know that they sleep, or at least not all races. I don't know that's a thing. For them. Wow, I love to sleep. I can't imagine not having that. <laughs> I I know, eh? And then I, you know, I I don't know about you, but when I go to bed, it's very rarely that I don't have a little plan, little game plan in mind. Oh, let's yeah. see what happens tonight. Yeah, I, you know, sometimes when I've talked to other people and they've had these experiences, they either are very excited about going to sleep. Or they fear it? Yeah, I don't fear it very often anymore. And I'm excited. And then sometimes I just, uh, you know, despite or because of my experiences, I just want to be of service, not to them necessarily, uh, but maybe spirit retrieval or something like that. I just want to be of service. Yes, yes. I understand that. Now, Getting back to the underground, which really fascinates me a little bit. Mm-hmm. You said that was four times you had been underground. Yeah, three, four times, yeah. Besides the child 
or the being that frightened you, was there anything else mm-hmm. significant under there? Uh, unusual structures. Um, this first underground facility where they, they did this procedure, I guess, on my ex and I, had a fairly modern lab, more than modern. Um, you know, almost like um, um, uh, clear clear plastic panels uh, that they worked from and other stuff like that. So more than modern in, mm-hmm. in some of that. And then long hallways and then elevator rides and then recovery rooms. That's pretty vast. You know, wow. you couldn't tell when you first walked into it. Um, but then there's been odd structures, and I don't know if this is in the second book or not, a structure that had really odd angles to it, like impossible angles. So I'd mm-hmm. crawl up the side of what appeared to be a dirt hill, just a hill, and, and there were there were openings in the hill where I could look down. There were structures in those openings. It's like, I cannot process this. And right. uh, other mach- machinery and stuff, massive machinery. And, and that particular experience, I, I ended up uh, talking to someone there because i wanted to run down the hallway and escape (laughs) that wasn't to happen Uh, but the experience did end shortly thereafter but it was just like impossible unusual architecture and something going on that i did not know some kind of process was being done to something um and so yeah i don't know why i was there there were very few others there Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I was trying to be scientific about, it, you know, looking through these little cracks in the dirt and the holes and saying, how can that structure be underneath this structure? Um, so it was it was really pretty peculiar and interesting. Oh, wow. It, it, was, it just fascinates me. I've always had a fear of underground things myself. Hmm. That's mm-hmm. why I asked you, was it fearful? Was it dirty under there? Was it? But from what you're telling me, it almost sounds like something you'd see in Star Trek. You know, the the weird cubicles yeah, and weird stuff. structures. Interesting. And, and in one case, a very weird warehouse. Very weird with multiple levels, with all sorts of rooms off to one side and the other where they do procedures and stuff. Yeah. You, it was very peculiar. You talk about the warehouses a lot, actually. Do you, I must just want to work in one (laughs) (laughs) it's it's fascinating now do you think these warehouses are on this on this planet or are on this i'm not trying to say planet but on this um plane Uh, i actually do think many of them are i think many of them are underground facilities um co-opted by us, not like you and I, us, but others, and mm. aliens. I wow. do think they're underground facilities, yes. You know, and I wonder, I don't know if you remember this, was it about a year and a half ago, a year ago, the news mentioned un- mentioned things, something about UFOs, and of course, you didn't hear anything else. Do you think slowly, but surely, that's going to be revealed to us in the next 10 years or before? I, I do. Um, I'm not I'm not avant-garde in terms of disclosure, the disclosure movement. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Leslie's really, really keen on it. I'm not quite as keen, but I I do see signs of it, whether it's released footage of mm-hmm. uh, unidentified objects or whether it's a science fiction, apparently, movie 
that's introducing us to something, easing us into it. I honestly think some of the huge blockbuster movies that are put out are not strictly sci-fi. Okay. You know, they're feeding us little drips of information, and then the other little drips come in uh, reports that are suddenly released and they're not fully redacted, you know, that kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. it's interesting. We're seeing more and more uh, of it, although not not the big payoff, like uh, our friends are going to land on the lawn tomorrow payoff. But I think we're seeing a lot of it. And, you know, folks like Greer and senators in the U.S. and so forth and international scientists have had, what, two disclosure um, right. conferences so far. Yeah. Right. Which movies, if you were to pick two movies, which ones do you think are the ones that they're trying to prepare us with? I'm going to say uh, uh, one that stands out for sure in recent history is Arrival. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I just, it just seems unmistakably uh, to have that. And then going back quite a few years, Close Encounters, definitely. Oh, yeah, yep. And then, I don't know, I was able to watch it once and I can't watch it again. And I thought this is the stupidest thing I ever did was watch it was The Fourth Kind. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah, I saw that too. Yeah. The Fourth Kind. I am sorry yeah. I saw it. Oh. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it really, it hit a nerve. I didn't realize it till after. And it's like, okay, that's a little too creepy. Um, maybe I haven't been through those things, but it's a little too creepy. And, you know, having the footage of the real hypnosis scene and then the movie seems like, geez. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not saying that's that's about disclosure. In, in a way, it is because the sightings uh, that movie talks about were vast and many. Yeah, that's really interesting. Also, Whitley's now I remember being a young girl and seeing Whitley's book for the first time. I think I was eight, uh, 18 when that came out, Whitley Strieber's book. The communion one? Yeah. And it was the weirdest mm-hmm. circumstance. I was grocery shopping and I lived in Texas for a short time. And I was at, at the grocery store and I turned around and a book fell in my cart and it was that book. <laughs> fell in your cart? It just fell in my cart. And I, I, oh my I stood there for seconds and that picture petrified me. Yeah, I was petrified. I was like, uh, uh, uh. so I bought the book. <laughs> it's me after all. <laughs> I bought the book and I read the book and I was petrified the whole time. I can understand that. Yeah, I have the book. Um, uh, he has an active Instagram account, which you may or may not know about. But I had I have the book and a couple of others of his. And then um, the way you were affected by that. I was affected by Bud Hopkins' book, Missing Time. Oh, that's an amazing book. I was shocked. And then I read John Mack's stuff. And it's like, Mm -hmm. what the heck? These are heavy hitters, right? Yes. (laughs) Yes, they are. You know, what's also interesting about you, Wes, is you have a podcast. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just discovered it. I didn't know you had it until like 
today, actually. I knew you were doing something with Leslie, which is amazing. Yeah. But then I think you have two episodes on there now. It's the WGR. Mm-hmm. And I am so excited about listening to that tonight. I, I haven't got a chance to listen to it yet. Oh, thank you for mentioning that. I uh, We discussed off uh, air about, you know, my little efforts with that. And I've got so much stuff rattling around that I can probably uh, speak about. And I'm thinking, you know, podcasts are, I don't know if they're in a renaissance right now, but they're popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and you can do most of the stuff for free. So as long as you have some decent um, recording equipment, you know, Anchor, which is now, well, I guess they were just bought out by Spotify. Anyway, that's who I registered with. And um, they distribute your stuff and everything. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, they do. And um, SoundCloud also does that for you. Oh, SoundCloud as well. Okay. Yeah, I use SoundCloud. It's a, it's really good when people are editing. Um, mm-hmm. My husband edits all my shows. He produces all my shows. And he does all of that. So he uses Spotify, which a lot of musicians will use. I'm sorry, SoundCloud, mm-hmm. which a lot of musicians mm-hmm. use as well. And it's it's really good when you edit it and stuff like that. So that's what he uses. But I'm really excited about listening to these because I haven't got a chance to yet. Well, just because of that, I'm going to do more. This is my commitment. Well, you should you do. you brought it up tonight. Mm-hmm. You should do more because not only are they awesome, they're awesome form of information. I get more cool stuff from podcasts, other people's podcasts, you know, like information on books and you have so much to offer. You really need to get your information out there. Well, I appreciate uh, your support and even mentioning that I've oddly enough, I had been looking at it earlier this week saying, should I, should I get back? into this you can see how successful i was two episodes and they've been there for years <laughs> well you know it's oh they've been discovered <laughs> you know it's really really an odd thing when when i first started podcasting and it's kind of funny because me and my husband sat down he goes well what do you want to do i retired from dance that's all i knew was dance for 30 years and i looked at him oh, i wow. said i want a podcast he looked at me as what I said, I want a podcast, and these are the subjects I want to podcast. Because you want to be a, a a paranormal podcaster. I'm like, yes, I want answers to my situations. <laughs> and he started uh-huh, laughing. Uh-huh. But it's interesting because, I mean, you hear so much that nobody has to feel alone with what has happened to them. With your experiences, you can write a book and share it with so many people, and they don't feel odd anymore or different. They, uh, yeah, I think we're here, and, and you've done much more of this than I have, obviously, but I think we're here in part and, and aware and conscious and forward-facing uh, because we're supposed to share. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. And everybody wants answers and it's just a really cool way of communication, I think. And I think well, I will you should do pick it. up the torch. <laughs> I will I'll pick up the torch again because of you. Absolutely. Yeah. And of course, I yeah. will be a listener. Yes, I have a listener. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> and I will promote it. Everyone check oh, thank out you. 
his I podcast so. and yeah. support it so he gets back on there. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm happy to do that. You know, I don't know if you feel this way, but it's like, you know, am, am I making a difference? Can I make a difference? Um, <sighs> I'm not driven by anything else, really. You know, not by money, not by fame or anything like that. I just want people to say, oh, wait a sec. You know, the light bulb went on. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes that alone can help somebody's mental state or healing from something they don't understand. Well, I hope that's true. Uh, and I think it is based on some some feedback I've gotten over the years. Absolutely. So, Wes, what is next for you? I'm trying to, uh, and Leslie's too, we're trying to get booked into shows. So if anybody's listening, thinking, I want to fly that guy around the world. <laughs> um, I'm that guy. I'm happy to do that. I'm comfortable flying around the world. I like it. Um, mm. And I'd be happy to go do that. And I don't need a lot of maintenance or care. Um, hotel room and uh, a food voucher. <laughs> <laughs> and you're happy. And and uh, yeah, and I'm happy. And I am. I'm totally okay to get in front of a live audience and share and make that kind of contact. That would be a real thing for me. So That'd I'd like awesome. to do that. And I think you and Leslie are coming back on with me on Twilight tonight, aren't you? You're coming on or, together. Uh, later, later this month, isn't it, right? It is May 19th. You guys are going to be on. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, you reaching out. And, you know, we, we have... Uh, your schedule, of course, which is the first, and then mine and Leslie's, and usually we can swing it. So I think we've all agreed that it's going to work out. I really hope that's true. Yes, it's May 19th, 6 mm -hmm. Central Time. So you guys will be back on, and I'm very excited about that, Wes. I think it will be awesome to see you two together. Yeah, it's fun because Leslie brings a whole different world to all this. She's got her expertise. She's had her own experiences, which I don't know if she talks about much, but she has had some. Right. And uh, our journey on hypnosis uh, uh, was fascinating. And of course, she's still doing this with other clients. That's so cool. I can't wait. So Wes, is there any more books coming out soon? Um, if my partner had anything to do with it, yeah, there'd be plenty. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I oh, I partner, good know. for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Anna keeps saying, "Oh, wow, you got to do another one. You got to do another one." You know, the first one came about because of Nano Rimo of all things, uh -huh. this annual writing festival, and and then the second one, sort of more reluctantly, she's suggesting a work of fiction that isn't exactly fiction. Ah. Gotcha. I can see that. Mm -hmm. I could see that. Definitely. Yeah, it'd be fun. I I love your stuff, Wes. And I want to really thank you for taking time out of your busy, busy night and say thank you to your partner for me, because I know <laughs> I taking will. up your evening. And thank you for coming on the Twilight Tonic Paranormal Talk Show. Thank you so much, Wes. And Dee, thank you for having me back on. And hopefully one day we'll get to meet in person. Oh, I would enjoy that immensely. You guys have a great night. 